Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you'll be blessed and encouraged by today's message. Now here's Pastor On. I want to just start off by coming up with a definition, and you'll see this in our first parent tip, of what a good parent is. What's, what's the, the true definition of parenting? What should we be striving for? And I'll just read it right from the parent tip. It says, people have their own definition of successful parenting and children. Some people see success as raising well-educated children that become financially affluent as adults. Their measuring rod is how much money their children make or the job title they may hold. Others measure success by comparing their children with the achievements of other children and the standards of this world. And we will define successful parenting, and we're going to be defining successful parenting today as providing a child with the greatest opportunity, listen, to fulfill the will of God for their lives. A successful parent helps to build a person with faith in God and a sense of purpose, fulfillment, happiness, and destiny. That's what we believe a successful parent does. Helps to find the will of God, direct the child to find God's will for their life. And every child is different. Don't compare your kids. And don't use the world's measuring rods to determine what your child should be. Seek the will of God for their lives. Amen? So, Lori, why don't we start by, maybe you can tell everybody, there's a lot of people here maybe that don't know us, um, about our immediate family and uh, why we're up here. <laughs> well, we raised three children. Um, my oldest son, Michael, is 34. My son, Dan, is the drummer here, and he's 32. And I have a daughter, Carissa, that's home, still living with us, and she's 25 soon to be 26. She's still single. <laughs> My two boys are married. We have four beautiful grandchildren and one on the way. So we're in a different stage of life, and it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. You know, if, if we look at parenting, parenting is really leadership. It's leadership in the home, and leadership is influence. It's either good influence or bad influence. But parenting is leadership in the home. And maybe, Laurie, you can tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your personal life and the influence that your parents had on you growing up. Well, um, I don't know if many of you know this, but I lost both my parents when I was a very young child. My mom when I was two and my dad when I was 11. And so all of my family, um, my aunts and uncles and grandmother, all took turns watching me, and I was passed around for several years. And when I turned five, I had an older sister that was 21. Um, her name was Cheryl, and she had just gotten married to her husband, who's also a Ron. Um, and she knew that I needed some stability in my life. It wasn't good to be going home to home, so... She said, I'm, I'm going to be your legal guardian. And she pretty much adopted me and raised me as her own daughter. 
So she was my older sister. And I was so very blessed that I lived in a home where she was a strong Christian um, and brought me to church every week. And I had a God foundation in my life. Um, because of the tragedies I went through, I also lost a brother. And I was in the car when he was driving, and he passed away in a terrible accident. So um, I've went through a lot of trials in my life. And thank God, as a child, I had that foundation. Because even as a child in my sorrow, when no one knew and no one really talked about it back then, I would go to the Lord and he would bring me comfort and peace because that foundation was in my life. So I'm forever thankful that God put me in that home because he knew the outcome of my life and where I'd be today. You know, that, yeah. you know, that goes to prove that God is a comfort to children. God is a comfort to children. Um, you know, I was raised in a home with two parents, um, a little bit different than Laurie. I was raised more in a traditional, you know, Catholic type home. My parents were immigrants from Italy. Um, my mom also, she, she was an orphan, um, and she became an orphan because my grandparents were killed by the Nazis. I tell the story often. But she became an orphan around 10 years old, and ultimately, the children on the streets were put in orphanages, and she stayed in an orphanage till 18. So she didn't have good role models as parents, and she didn't have good input uh, from the adults that were in the orphanage caring for the kids. Um, so my, my life growing up was a bit different. Um, you know, immigrants back then in that generation, they worked a lot. So... Um, I didn't have strong parenting in my life because my parents are always working. I wouldn't see my father hardly ever because he worked two jobs, get home late when I was sleeping. Um, but they did teach me the importance of working hard. Um, they taught me the importance of working hard. Um, they inspired me to go to school, which they never had the opportunity to do because of the war. Um, and it's interesting because when I look at Lori's life and even my mom, like one thing that kept her sane through the years was her relationship. She, she had a relationship with Jesus even as a kid because she grew up in a Catholic orphanage. And that the Lord was a big comfort to her in all her challenges and trials. And so as I'm thinking about parenting, um, a home that has Jesus Christ in that home is a home that has the Holy Spirit. And, and, and even in times of trauma, it's amazing how God will bring comfort and hope to a child. And so important. That's so important. But, you know, with parents, you can learn um, good and bad. And hopefully we can look and say, I'm going to hold on to the good and throw out the bad. And so that's what we're here to do is kind of talk about some of the good things, some of the bad things. Um, but for sure, um, Christian parenting has a huge effect upon a child. Um, I was messed up as a teenager, um, messed up until I became a Christian and I was adopted by our Father in heaven. And I started learning what true parenting is spiritually first. 
And so I thank God for my salvation. You know, it's much harder to be a good parent than it is to be a bad parent. And so it takes work, it takes effort. But let me just um, start off by just making some quick points, and then we're going to get into some questions that um, the congregation has been submitting over the last couple of weeks. Let me first just read this out of the Bible, Psalm 127.3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. There is no such thing as a bad kid. There is no such thing as a bad kid. Children are a gift. In whatever circumstance you may end up with a child, that child is still created in the image of God. That child is still precious. That child is still a gift. Don't ever think that this child is a mistake. That child is a gift from God. And God's ways are higher than our ways. God works all things for the good of those who love him. And no child is a bad child. No one is born a a good parent. You're not born with parenting skills. It takes work, it takes energy, it takes knowledge. You can raise great children even as a single parent. And it's never too late to look at how you've been doing and to change what you've been doing and to ask God to get involved and maybe repair some of the mistakes you made. It's never too late. We sang that song, God is a, an, he's, a, he's a God of the impossible. You know, we see in the Bible the, the story of the prodigal son. How did that son go so wayward? You know, first of all, every child has a free will. They grown, you know, they grow up and they have a free will. But but it's never too late to believe God for his promises and what he wants for you and your children. Amen? Come on. Here's another starting point. That men have a greater input on their children than women. They a greater influence. You know, they say that over about 70% of kids will follow their dads. So men, you are tremendously responsible for your children. And you will be accountable because your child has been given to you as a gift. So I, I pray that as men here today, men watching, that we receive that, that calling, that we have tremendous impact influence upon our kids. And then lastly, before we go into questions, parents, you are responsible for raising your children. No one else. Not education, not schools, not the teachers, not government, not daycare, not aunts and uncles, not anyone else, but you are where the buck stops. Amen? And so let's grab hold of some truths today and, um, and hopefully we can all become better parents. All right. Yeah. How many of you remember that show, Nanny 911? You know what was so funny is when parents had the most unruly children and they were running the house and there was no order, there was chaos. When Nanny 911, she was from England, she would come 
to these houses and stay a week. And guess what? She didn't fix the children. She fixed the parents. It was always, let's look at the parents. Let's look at the structure of the home. And when that was put in order, these kids within days turned around and became compliant. So I just wanted to add that. And also, I just wanted to say quickly, um, sometimes people look at us and our family like we're the perfect family and we never have to go through trials and tribulations. And um, you not knowingly put us on an invisible pedestal. And what the devil does, he uses that as this tool of a comparison to make you feel less than, and I can never do or be what I see happening in their family. And it's just so not true. We have our trials. We've been through tribulation. And God, you know, with his help, we've overcome it all because of a strong church and a godly foundation. And that's the number one thing that you need to have a successful family. Amen. Okay, the first question that... Um congregation brought to us was, what should your priorities be as a parent? What should your priorities be as a parent? And, um, and we discussed this, and we came up with this, and I'm sure it's, it's the norm, you know, in Christian churches will tell you this, that our priority should be God, family, church, and then work comes last. God, family, church, and work. Your, ch- your priorities, your priorities as a parent will usually become your kids' priorities, your children's priorities. And someone said that serving is preserving. Serving the church is preserving your family because there's no greater place on earth that God has given us to raise our children in the house of God. And so let's talk a little bit, um, Lori, about a healthy home. Because a healthy home it works on these priorities. You know? um, so we are pastors, obviously. So our kids are PKs, pastor's kids. And pastor's kids have a bad rap because many of them go astray and have many rebellious years um, And we've been blessed that that hasn't happened to us. But I believe um, we've known many pastors, and we've seen this to be true. And when I look at their lives, they've had their priorities out of order. It was God first, the church, and then their family. And they didn't take the time needed to invest in their kids because all the responsibilities on their shoulders to run the church um, outweighed the time that they spent with their own kids. And every one of them went astray. And so when you have your priorities in order, even as pastors, um, you know, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Nancy, Pastor Mike and Pam, all of the kids are serving the Lord, strong leaders in the house of God. Amen. You know, I want to say that healthy, a healthy home requires a healthy you. A healthy marriage, um, healthy people who you allow to have influence over your children. And it's important that it starts with you. You have to look at your spiritual health, your emotional health. You know, how are you as a person? Because everything that you are is going to influence, is going to lead your child. And whatever way you're leading, that's where 
you're telling them, follow this. And I want to read the scripture, 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. Now listen, as it goes well with your soul. As it goes well with your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, which is all connected to your spiritual life. And so as we become healthy spiritually, that is the foundation by which health comes into a person and into your home and into you as a parent. And I thank God that, you know, it's interesting that that Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper, a helper. As believers, as Christians, we have a helper. We're not in this world alone. We have the Holy Spirit. And talking to him and asking him to be part of your life, part of your home, part of your parenting, he answers that prayer. He answers that prayer. Um, you, know, you know, we always talk about this, Lori, you know, about the pollen, you know, the pollen. Like, what is the pollen in your house? You know, is the pollen fear? Is the pollen, you know what pollen is in, in, in spring? You know, sometimes you have to shut your windows because you come home and, and pollen is on everything, right? It's all over your car. It's all over the furniture. It's all over the floor. Pollen. What is the pollen in your home? What kind of pollen are you bringing into the atmosphere of your house as a parent? Good question to write down. Ask yourself that question. When you come home, are you bringing fear? Are you bringing anger? Is the pollen anxiety? Is the pollen stress? Is the pollen, pollen negativity? Is the pollen depression? What is the pollen that will get on your children that you are producing as a parent in your home? You want to say anything about that? Yes. When my kids were small, I um, had a home daycare business that I did for 12 years. And I was able to bring many children into my home and care for them as my kids were growing up. And I just had a rule that I didn't want kids that were wild and crazy and, you know, don't listen to uh, structure and routine because I didn't want my kids interrupted. So I always prayed, God, every child you bring into my home, I pray that they would be children of peace and it would fit into the atmosphere of my home. And so... Of course, people in the church says, oh, great, you're a Christian, we know you. And I, and I knew their children, and I knew their homes, and I'm like, oh, boy, this could be a trouble. <laughs> so I put a little clause in my contract saying that there's always a two-week trial period, and I'll let you know at the end of two weeks if this is going to work out. So I had an out without being, you know, offending them. But um, one particular boy that came into my house, he was a very tough little toddler, two years old, and I've been to their house on many occasions. We are friends. And he just had his tantrums literally every hour if he didn't get his way. And I'm like, oh, boy, this is probably going to be my, my two-week out here. Do you know that little boy came into my home, and he was an angel in my house. He, was, he took naps, which he didn't do at home. Um, he ate what I gave them for lunch. He would never eat the, that food at home. 
Um, he was in routine. And when the mother would come and pick him up, he would scream and have a tantrum only then because he didn't want to leave my house. So what pollen was going on in his house? Very chaotic. Um, they ran a business out of their house. Not much time with the kids. And in my house, he felt peace. So that's just an example of pollen in the home. And you established um, routine, right? You established routine. You established boundaries. Um, what you said goes no matter what. And so in boundaries and routine, um, kids feel a sense of security, right? And plus you always had, you know, peaceful music playing. Like you were very, very structured. And that child felt secure coming into your house. So let me just end that question by saying, God first, family second, church, then work. But you can't really, like if you say God first, um, God becomes part of everything. It's part of your family. Of course, church becomes part of, of your priorities when it comes to work. Am I going to work 80 hours a week and, and forsake my family, forsake my marriage, forsake my kids? You know, am I going to play video games all hours at night and not be able to go to work, you know, and say, well, you know, work is last. No, 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 no. It all works cooperatively. But it starts with God because God is the one that brings conviction. God is the one that, that gives you what you need to be successful. God is the one you go to when you need help. And so this is a good order. Did you have something to say? Okay. Sometimes I feel, you know, when, you, when you're married for so long, we don't have to talk anymore. We kind of just feel vibes off one another. And I'll go to say something and she'll say it first. And she'd pull it right out of my head, and it's the creepiest feeling in the world. I don't know if that happens to you, but it happens all the time with us. Okay, the second question is, is there any such thing as being an overprotective parent? Is there any such thing as being an overprotective parent? And let me start off by saying, you as a parent are called to love your children, to teach your children, to protect your children, and to provide for your children. You're called to love, teach, protect, and provide. Proverbs 22, 6 says, direct your children. Direct. You're the director. Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older... They will not leave it. Listen, my son, Proverbs 1.8. Listen, my son. Now, God speaks to the children. Listen to my son, to your father's instruction. So there's an assumption here that dad is instructing. Listen to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Isn't it interesting that the Lord puts the fathers first? Great responsibility to be a man. Listen to my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn 
your neck. And we also know that God says to the children, no matter what age, honor your mother and your father. And it's interesting, the Lord says, you know, as you obey your parents, you'll um, get a long life, you'll live a long life, because they'll keep you from walking off a cliff, right? So, Lori, let's talk about this, about being overprotective parent, because I know that we have been, yeah, especially you have been accused of being an overprotective parent. And uh, our kids used to accuse you of that all the time. Um, But you really didn't care. We really didn't care what people thought. We didn't really care what our kids thought, you know. Um, You know, sleepovers and, you know, they couldn't leave the driveway till they were 18 years old. You know, um, can you talk, tell that story about um, Ron, the 16 years old. This is a true story. I'm, I'll make it quick. I have a lot of stories today. <laughs> um, so I was raised with my, with my sister, my brother-in-law, Ron and Cheryl. And when I was 16, I had a very best friend in school. And we were very close. We were good girls. We did good in school. We had good, clean fun together. And then she got a boyfriend. And he was uh, a punk type of kid, and she started changing. Well, my brother-in-law, Ron, um, was driving down the road one day and saw her walking out of a liquor store. So he came home that day, got home. How old was she? We were 16. And so how she got what she got, I don't know, but she got it. Anyway, he came home and goes, Lori, sit down, I have to talk to you. And Ron is a big Italian guy, and... I had the fear of Ron on me because, <laughs> because um, when he talked to you, you listen. But anyway, he sat me down and says, Lori, I'm going to ask you a question, and you better not lie. Do you understand me? I says, yes, I understand. He said, does your friend drink? I says, um, never with me, no. <laughs> um, that's not the question. Does she drink? I says, honestly, Yes, with her boyfriend, she started to, but never with me. He goes, okay, I'm glad you were honest. And then he told me what he saw, and he said, from this day forward, you will never get in her car again. I do not want you driving with her. If she wants to come here and you want to hang out, that's fine, but you will never get in her car again. I'm like, okay. I left there shaking. It's like my best friend, oh, my goodness, we can never... I didn't have a car. I didn't have my license yet. So what ended up happening was he didn't tell me he called her dad. And he said to the dad what, what went down, what he saw. Yeah, he talked to me. He goes, if, it, if the um, things were reversed, I would want you to tell me because it's something that I would want to deal with with my daughter for her own safety. Well, this father started swearing and yelling at him, saying my daughter would never do that. How dare you accuse her of such a thing? It, wasn't, it must not have been her. I'll even talk to her. She lied and said, no, she would never do that. And so basically the next day at school, I didn't know he had talked to the father and said to me, she said to me, we're no longer best friends. I will never talk to you again. So that day I lost a best friend. But I believe he saved my life because she went down a very dark road 
And I look back at the time, parents, you make decisions and your kids are not adults. They're not going to think like you. They're not going to agree with you. And that's okay. You can't expect them to. You do what's right and you, and you protect your children. And when they get old, look at me. I look back now and I say, thank God he did that. Amen. You know, sometimes parents will ask us, well, you know, my, my kid... My child does not want to come to church. What do I do? Force them? What's the answer? Yes. Yes. As long as they're under your roof. My child doesn't want to go to school. What do I do? Force them? My child doesn't want to take a bath. What do I do? Force them? And I say, well, you're either going to be a parent and lead them, and it's your house, who pays for the food, who pays for their car insurance, who pays for their school, who lets them sleep in your house, you do. If a child wants their own kingdom, then they need to go build their own kingdom. But as long as they're in your kingdom... You are the king. You are the queen. Kids don't know what's good for them. They don't know what's good for them. You know, and, and even, let me, let me say this too. I might be jumping ahead. Oh, let me, let me hold back on, on what I was going to say. But, um, but, you know, Ron, Ron could care less too. I'll tell you. And he was scary. There's some things that, that, that I was picking up as you were talking, Lori, that, that we can learn from. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Men and women have lost their fear of God. They've lost the notion of consequence. Jesus spoke about money and hell. Hell. Jesus. Loving Jesus more than any other topics, because he's warning people of the consequence to sin. And I believe as parents, it's important, especially in a, in a, you know, in a two-parent house, especially men, you have to be strong. There has to be the fear of the Lord has to be on your children. They need to know you mean what you say. There's consequence to your actions. And you can't allow yourself to be worn down by your kids. Sometimes you have to raise, raise up. You know, I'm a nice guy, I think. But there are times in my life as a parent where my kids would be rebellious, disrespectful, disrespectful to their mom, who is my wife. And I've had to, you know, get a hold of them and speak to them into their face and say, you ever talk to my wife again like that? Okay, Dad. Okay, Dad. Straighten them out. The fear of the Lord is beginning wisdom. And I believe what keeps people ultimately in Christ, in God, is the fear of consequence, you know. And so you had a healthy respect for Ron, you know, because he demanded it. I was afraid of him too, honestly. Let me me just say this, that as parents, we said no way more times than we said yes. And no is always the harder answer because there's always 
things you have to deal with. When 10 other parents said yes to this sleepover and watching this movie, and I said no, so I was the one that threw the wet blanket on the party, um, it was okay. And you know, on the other side of the coin we haven't talked about yet is um, when your kids are small, make happy memories with them. Spend time, spend energy, spend some money. Take them on vacation and create those happy memories. Because, remember forever. because when I look back, those are the memories that last. All the no's that I told my kids, they forgot about them. But the happy memories that we created together, now they're carrying the same thing out with their children. You know, again, our, our job is to protect our children, right? Protect our children. And so we had certain rules that we did not bend. You know, you cannot go over someone's house that we don't really know. It seemed nice enough, but we don't really know. You're not sleeping over anyone's house unless we absolutely positively know the parents in and out, know the siblings, because our role is to protect you. They can come over our house because we'll be the covering. We trust ourselves, you know. Well... Everybody's other parents let them go over. We're not everybody other parents. We're not other parents. We're responsible to protect you. You know, and how many times I've heard, you know, my kid got introduced to pornography over my neighbor's house. The father was into pornography. It was on their computer. The kids, you know, because the father's in the... And we protected our kids. And they kicked and screamed sometimes. But we had a responsibility. And you have to be strong as a parent. You know, one thing I would never uh, do, and this I encourage you as family members in this church, never use the church as a discipline and youth group as a discipline. Okay, you're being bad this week. You're not going to God. Got to keep you away from God this week. That's the most ridiculous punishment you know, we're gonna, we'll jump into this one in a second. But let me say this in 2 Corinthians 6.14. <clears throat> Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Think about this scripture, this command, this wisdom when you're raising your kids. Who are you going to allow them to partner with? Well, I can trust my kid. Let me tell you, parent, you just threw your brain out the window. Your child is a sinful human being. You know, when that, that father said, my daughter would never do that. When I hear parents say that, you're throwing your brain away. Just remember yourself. We're all sinners, and your kids are sinners that need to get saved. They need to repent. Don't be one of those parents. Oh, my child will never do that. Let me tell you something. Be a strong parent. Protect your child even from themselves. Amen? Um, and and let, me, let me just talk about this a little bit because um, these are questions that are brought before us. You know, how do I talk to my kids about the tough issues? You figure it out. Sexuality, you figure it out. 
You speak to them and you give them God's opinion on things. You give them God's way on things. You persuade them that the Word of God and He who created us and His definition of things is how we will live. We will go with God and not teach your Sally so-and-so. Come on. But you have to teach your children because they're going to hear everything and they're going to hear things from people you don't want them to receive from. Or on the bus going to school, they'll hear things from other kids. You better be ahead of the game and talk about everything. Take their questions. Talk about the arguments that they might be hearing. You know, evolution. Study up on it. Get some books on it. Know it for yourself. You know, why do we believe that God created Adam and Eve and that you don't come from a monkey? Well, study it. Get some videos on, from Christian scientists that talk about creation has to be engineered and created. You get so many, you know, you get as many scientists who believe that God created, just like the Bible says, as these nutcase science scientists that are atheists. But you have to have ammunition. You have to speak to your kids about everything. You're a parent. Don't be embarrassed. Deal with it. Deal with it. Amen. How much time do we have? We're over? Okay, we're going to do this quick. Sorry, guys. Um, okay, this is the, the, the last question. How do I deal with a defiant child, and how do I discipline my children? Proverbs 13, 24 says this. This is the Message Bible. A refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. By disciplining them. You know, and Laurie said this, the earlier you practice disciplining your children, the less you have to do when they get older. You know, I always say, if you can train a dog, you can train a child. But make sure, parents, you don't do the opposite of what you're telling your kids to do. Yeah, we're talking about true Christian parents. But, you know, Lord, maybe we can talk about this, that, that every parent has to figure out what works for the individual child. You have compliant children. You say jump, they say how high. And then you have defiant children. You say jump, and they say, I'm not jumping for no one. Okay? So you have to figure out the disciplining methods. Um, I remember one mom coming to me. She was a single mom. She's really involved in the church. She comes to me. She's bawling her eyes out. She's frustrated. She's trying to raise, you know, a child all by herself, um, you know, on the financial pressure, all kinds of pressure. And she says, I can't even go shopping. I said, what do you mean? I cannot go shopping with my child. Because I go in, and she wants everything. She starts screaming, bloody murder. 
It sounds like I'm killing her. She's out of control. And I said, what do you do? He says, I leave and go home. I said, so she's parenting you. You have to figure this out. I said, you cannot allow your child to win. You have to figure it out. And we talked about some tips, you know. And so she ended up coming back the week after and says, I can't believe it. You know, I did what you said to do. And um, I went to, to the market. My child starts freaking out. She was a little thing. I took her out of the carriage, brought her to the car, did what I needed to do, brought it back. She did it again. Did the same thing. By the fourth time, she got it. And now I can go shopping. It took some work. It took some discipline. But now she became the parent. The child realized, oh, I can't do this anymore. My mom's not going to let me get away with this, you know. But you have to figure it out. There's all different methods of discipline. And again, what works for one child doesn't work for another. There's great books on, on this one. There's a great book called The Strong-Willed Child by Dr. James Dobson. It's an older book, but it's a classic. Dr. James Dobson, The Strong-Willed Child. It's worth reading. How about the, the story with, um, with Santi? My sister's son, my nephew, when he was four, he started telling little white lies. And she said to him, Santi, um, God wants us always to tell the truth. And if you lie, mommy's, there's going to be a consequence. And so he said another little white lie, and she gave him a couple chances. And one of her friends told her, I put a little drop of like balsamic vinegar on their tongue if they lie to show them that that's bitter words that they're saying, and um, God isn't happy with it. So she said, maybe I'll try what my friend said to do. So she said, if you lie one more time, mommy's going to put a little bit of vinegar on your tongue. It's very bitter. You're not going to want to taste it. Well, I guess he did it again. And so it was on a Sunday, and they had just came home from church, and he told a little lie. And I guess she didn't know that they talked about Jesus' um, resurrection that day and how they gave him vinegar um, when he was thirsty. Well, she didn't know that. So whenever she said, I'm going to go get the vinegar, he just started to freak out scream and cry uncontrollably. She couldn't calm him down. <laughs> and she says, Santi, like, what, like, what's, like she, did, she even forgot what he lied about because he was so distraught. And she, he says, I don't want vinegar, mommy, please. She goes, what? She goes, why are you so upset? She says, they gave Jesus vinegar and then he died. Am I going to die? <laughs> And then, of course, she didn't do it at that point because um, it was just a, a traumatic but funny moment. But guess what? He never did again. <laughs> Let me say this. Never discipline your child in anger. Always in love. Cool off. Cool off. Explain why you're disappointing. After you discipline, affirm, I love you. This is why I'm doing this. You know, affirm, explain, affirm, explain, affirm. You don't flip out, okay? You don't flip out. You wait, get a grip, even though sometimes you want to freak out. Get a grip, be strong, be, be assertive, correct, explain, 
I love you. I love you. This is why I'm doing this. And prophesy into your children. You are a good child. You are a great son. This is not you. This is not you. Prophesy into them. You are smart. I just tell my children all the time, you are a leader. You are called to lead. You are the head and not the tail. I prophesy into them, you know. Um, sometimes, sometimes you have to bend. You have to pick your fights without compromising your principles, okay? Um, and sometimes um, one of my sons... <laughs> Um, especially when I struggle with a lot of fear. He was very smart at a young age. And when I would say no, he'd go to his room, and an hour later he'd come back with 10 scriptures to tell me why I was wrong <laughs> with that decision because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, and that decision was totally out of fear. That was unfounded. So he was a little lawyer even as a kid. <laughs> he was a lawyer. And let me end by saying this. Consistency is key. You have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. And parents, do not allow your children to pit mom against dad, dad against mom. You guys have to be smart. You have to be in unity. You have to decide what is right for your kids and be in unity in Jesus' name. Amen? Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content with Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come.